never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, you've never seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Welcome to Video Nasty's podcast. My name is Christopher Brown. Screen for Vengeance is a mystery. A rape revenge thriller that is a, has a, an element of notoriety, but mainly because people don't really remember it that well. It is, after all, a rape revenge thriller where the rape exists off screen and the revenge doesn't really happen. I've done some digging. And I think I know a bit more about it than you might know already. But at the same time, I can't be sure. You see, I've reached out to try and get hold of Bob Bliss, the director, but I can't seem to find him. There are people online that say they know who he is and they've spoken to him, but for all I know, that could be bullshit. The Vigionasis podcast is all desk-based research at the end of the day. It's... uh, I'm not running out and trying to find people. Uh, I research through books and podcasts and blogs. And then if there's a gap, I try and find out who's the right person to speak to. But unfortunately, with this 70s exploitation movie, I may have come a crop with that. But let's say I haven't. Let's just say that Scream for Vengeance is an unusual movie. A one hit or one attempt at a hit. And that's not unusual in itself, to be fair to find uh, success by a writer-filmmaker, Bliss, Robert Bliss, or Bob Bliz, as he is in the, uh, the credits of this film. In 90 minutes, he creates a film that involves uh, teenagers being raped and killed, um, violent, gory uh, attacks, uh, people being shot, and... Uh, a kidnap subplot, which becomes the main plot. It's all over the place. But at the same time, it's kind of exciting and certainly has a sleazy grindhouse feel. One quite problem with it is, though, it is at least 10 minutes too long. Scream for Vengeance, a brutal story torn from today's headlines involving innocent people at the mercy of sadistic killers. Their only hope for survival, to fight for their very existence. Thank you. 
Look, we gotta keep moving in a straight line. We'll get lost. We can't outrun them. They're gonna kill us. Lost, intimidated, assaulted beyond human limits, and hunted like wild animals. Scream for Vengeance, a story of retribution and revenge. Scream for Vengeance, or Vengeance, as it's also known, was from 1990. Filmed, I think, in Kansas City. Certainly an American production, anyway. It's um, about four quite poor um, violence criminals, hoodlums, the type of baddies you'd see in maybe a well, a Batman cartoon, but maybe a comic, maybe, but uh, one mainly for adults. They break into a jeweler's house and uh, to get the jewels. Uh, it all goes south. They murder him, his wife, his daughter, and then they go on the run because, uh, well, they've murdered three people in a bungled uh, jewellery heist. So they kidnap Jenny, a senator's granddaughter, and her boyfriend. But the two of them are not the type that will be taken easily by this crew. They uh, attack and uh, are willing to uh, kind of fight back from these people. And um, in that confrontation, uh, slowly gang members are picked off until one final moment. So as I've said, Scream for Vengeance initially very much feels like a uh, the type of rape and revenge thriller that you would normally see on the video nasties list um, it feels kind of feels rough and ready poorly uh, well poorly but it has a pretty bad dubbing effort on it it's not particularly uh, it has an element of realism because um, that realism is based around uh, people who not, wouldn't normally be seen in front of the camera uh, actors who are uh, able to uh, get, get a job because they're not standard Hollywood fare. Indeed, we feel very far from the Hollywood track. As I say, it was completed in 1979 and released in 1980 by Manson International, initially internationally, and then uh, an additional um, distribution deal in the US. A film, therefore, that feels quite surprising. It's a film that also features, you know, it, it's... When we went back to Axe, back in the mists of time, you know, if you've rattled through these podcasts, it's, even then it'd still be a long time ago. We've done a fair few since then, but um, Axe um, has a, an opening that 
feels very condensed and, and, and um, quite scary with the uh, the raid the stars. This kind of does its own same thing, but it's also intercut with um, what can only be described as a mustachioed man in a white shirt and a low cut white shirt on the graft with uh, a young woman, um, and who can't pull when they are flirting in a laundrette on a Saturday night. With his, uh, so Mark, who is a hero in inverted commas of the piece, literally turns to Jenny the uh, and says, uh, Jenny, that's your for Jennifer. You know what I mean? It, it's quite clumsy initially, but at the same time, we intercut and then move on to a man who is a bit of a perv, shall we say, enjoying talking dirty and traumatising what appears to be a teenage girl with a while he's using a knife. So we veer between the, uh, the slightly ridiculous elements of uh, you know a, 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 a cheap, um, low-budget film, and then the, the nasty territory, I suppose. Screen for Vengeance manages to at least kind of because because of the shift change between these night scenes based on the house. It is, after all, not a um, home invasion movie for very long. It shifts to wide open expanses around, as I said before, what I believe to be Kansas City um, area. And um, that helps it kind of increase the uh, the energy levels. It's quite exciting to a point. We see um, you know, our, our, our heroes you know, uh, tied up with tape over their eyes and mouth. It feels... It gets the blood pumping from that point of view because you're not sure how nasty this film is going to be. So we have a low-budget thriller that's reasonably well-made, quite exciting. It doesn't have any stars in it, as you probably guessed, because it's quite cheap. But it does feature Walter Addison, who is a, um, a character actor who I suppose maybe was his biggest role as a part, bit part in Watchmen. But nonetheless, you know, let's not be too mean about it. Now, as we said, Bliss slash Blizz as a guy. Um, so there's an review, well, an interview from uh, 2010 on uh, com, where he interviews somebody who says they are Bob Bliss. Um, now, Bliss supposedly, at this point... Is a, ca- a, ca- a cartoonist, a characterist. Characterist. Uh, the business is closed now, so I, I don't know if that's because he's no longer doing character chores for money, uh, or it's because he's no longer with us. I tried to find, uh, you know, I did some, like I say, desk-based research on um, whether or not he died. I couldn't find anything online. Certainly, it's not anything in the obituary column for that man. Who would be in that age? So, uh, I don't know. Which is a shame, but I did try and reach out and find him and ask him some more questions. Anyway, on this interview, he says um, he's an art major in Missouri, um, but he wants to be an animator within in Kansas City. Um, so, they kind of created a, a an animation department in, in KC. Vietnam Draft... And when he came back, he got a job, a bit of a time for a staff artist. For the 70s, he's, he'd done a show called Mayhem in the Movies, which is like a, you know, how, uh, how they do bullet holes in films, basically. And it was filmed in the late 70s, shot in and around Kansas City, supposedly. 
and apparently it took ages to film, which makes sense looking at the movie when you see it. it does appear to be, you know, uh, a, a lot of night shoots when you got no money must have been an absolute pain in the ass. It also explains why um, the characters change throughout, you know, in terms of uh, a, a plot that kind of continues. You know, let's get this bit done of this story, and then people, like a lot of times with uh, these kind of films, you know, even when we're talking about Evil Dead back in the day, characters kind of disappear, so well, I can't do this anymore, I've got a different job, and then they move on. Although the film feels like it's um, based on. Last House on the Left, Bliss, as we've said in this interview, uh, claims it isn't and that he hadn't seen that film. In fact, he's only seen the remake. So it's cobbled together and um, he um, manages to uh, get some library music to make that happen and finds actors, as you can probably guess, from a priority theatre around the area, University of Missouri. This, this isn't unsurprising at all. Gets the money from... Um, a guy called Bud Haston, who's a, a businessman, who uh, finances, finances, finances it and hopes that he'll be able to get all the cash back. That isn't quite how it works out. Again, not that surprising. Despite the, you know, what is in fair, fairness uh, a degree of success for Bliss from this film, bearing in mind, you know, it, it did get international distribution and, you know, it has boxed above its weight. In the same way we spoke about Honeymoon Horror, however, it didn't quite pan out as the director wanted. He wanted to make, he made a second script, but the finance ran away. In fact, it was it was even announced in Variety in '81 with a start date, but unfortunately, never came to reality. So there you go, a film with the majority of which is a cast of unknowns, a writer director that did not go on to create much. A film in itself that is interesting but hardly, you know, brilliant. It's just a strong enough movie. Screen for Vengeance sits in a a B-movie, low-budget kind of situation which will always exist. One that potentially boxed a little bit above its weight but in the, you know, and, and got the ability to be in front of large audiences but sadly didn't quite kick on and to the extent that it's remembered as much as it maybe should be. And certainly enough for it to get a DVD or a Blu-ray release now. However, as with a lot of these kind of things, there is still a cult element to it. A cult element mainly because it alludes to uh, so much more. It's the vivid and fruit, the film you can't quite get hold of. You know, um, movies that are... Um, hidden away good luck trying to find a copy of Screen for Vengeance whereas the 72 is uh, a reasonably easy to get hold of with this film you have to work that a little bit harder and in fairness like a good cult classic if you have got a hold of it cherish a cold VHS copy cherish it keep hold of it ensure that other people uh, can't see it it's mine fuck who I want it miss for myself like a true you know cult classics are these days fucking people talk about like things like the Matrix being a cult classic you know what they mean is you know geeky or sci-fi-ish true cult classics you have to fucking earn and uh, with Scream for Vengeance you have to fucking earn it to get it and I think that's fair enough despite the fact that well 
the last 20 minutes are a bit long, but you know, nonetheless, fair fucks to Bob. He's worked hard and it's a good movie in that sense, the fact that it even exists, let alone. But unlike that film, I think I probably cut this podcast short. Lost, intimidated, assaulted beyond human limits, and hunted like wild animals. Thanks very much for listening. If you want to get a hold of me, please do. You can on my email address. Uh, VideoNastyPodcast.gmail.com Get me on Twitter. at at Orange underscore Monkey. Or you can get to the website, TheLastHorrorPodcast.com or VideoNastyPodcast.com and leave a message on any of the articles there. And they will come to me by the magic of the web. Next time on Fucking Hell, this is an obscure movie. Also, um... We're kind of bashing through a few uh, section three films you can't get hold of in a double bill almost. Uh, Werewolf Women, there's no, I don't, I can't find it. I don't think that, there was a DVD of this one. It's not available at the moment. But you know, if you've got it, if you've seen it, good luck. It might be on YouTube. Uh, have another look. It might be there when you listen to this. Who knows? It does occasionally pop up in a very a grisly, um, compressed format. Uh, so the plan is next week: Werewolf Women, week off. Then for Christmas, we're going to do Christmas Eve. So, until then, take care. I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How how can you judge on a video nasty? Have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film.